This is the Blue, White and Yellow podcast from Leeds United Live, giving you the in-depth analysis on all the big talking points from Ellen Road. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Blue, White and Yellow episode eight, I think. I always get really confused as to how many episodes we've done. Um, but we are back with Baron Cross, your Leeds United writer, and Joe Donahue, your Leeds United writer. And we've, we've actually got quite a bit to discuss. I think it was last Tuesday, was it, Baron? We recorded the twentieth, so it's been it's been quite a while since we've um, we're recorded. But we're back to it. JD, how are you doing, mate? You okay? Yeah, not bad. Yeah, enjoying myself with with a little bit of football. Uh, we've had what the Blackburn game and the Geisley game. Um, mm-hmm. So it's been good to see the twenty threes get a run out, and then obviously the first team. It's been. It's been a relief after about, what, two months of no leads. I mean, obviously we had the Calvin Phillips Euros, but yeah, I mean, yeah, it's good to good to get back to it. Not long till Old Trafford now. Yeah, it was weird this morning because I was just putting together all of Barron's sort of post-match and his pre and all this sort of stuff. And it was like, we're, we're back and the fans being there as well. What is it, Barron, 515 days till till fans, well, away fans, was it? Uh, we're, we're back in grounds. It's, it's unbelievable, isn't it? And it's great to see 5,000 Leeds fans descend on Blackburn uh, last night. Yeah, every time I was sort of referencing that last night, I was I felt a bit bad for Geisley. I was thinking like, poor old <laughs> Geisley did happen the night before, but we were kind of treating it like it hadn't. And, oh, it's the first away day in 515 days. And it's been since Hull City, we haven't seen Leeds play away from home. And you, know, you can imagine there's like 700 people at Nethermore Park thinking, hey, hey, we got the first away day, not you. Um, but no, yeah, I mean, it, yeah, the atmosphere was fantastic. It did feel very much like an away day. You know, I think I've, I've seen briefly those maybe roughly 8,000 people at Ewood Park and 5,000 were in the Leeds end. <laughs> very sparsely populated Ewood Park, save for the away end, um, which yeah, was was packed and fantastic noise uh, for a friendly, especially. Um, we'll obviously come on to the game eventually, uh, but not, not a, uh, a blindingly beautiful spectacle. But I think it was more just the occasion, wasn't it? You know, the fact that they could travel to an away stadium, have a few beers, enjoy the game with their friends, have a sing, and then head on home. So, um, yeah, it feels like we're slowly getting back towards normality. Yeah, jam-packed schedule, which we discussed last week, JD. Geisley was the first encounter, and it all seemed to revolve around Adam Forshaw a bit, which was really nice to see eventually. Leeds obviously winning 3-2, Greenwood's free kick, probably the highlight of the goals as well. What did you make of it overall? Was it a good little run out for Leeds? Yeah, it was good. I mean, we kind of expected that it would be an under-23 heavy team. Uh, and then we saw, obviously, Mark Jackson was in the dugout, not not Bielsa taking that team. And it was very clearly a, a Leeds under-23 fixture in all but name. But the the foreshore appearance, he came on for, obviously, the, the last half an hour at Nethermoor. Um, it was good to see him on. It was good to see him on the pitch. Um, it was, I mean, he got a great, great reception. Uh, from from everyone who was there, you know, obviously everybody who's who's understood what he's been through the past two years. Uh, I think he described it as two years of hell on his Instagram afterwards um, when he was. Yeah, he, I think he shared a picture of him and his son, which was yeah. was really nice to be honest. Because you know, a lot a lot of the time, you know, we 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 see football players just on on the pitch, but behind the scenes, you've got the training, you've got the rehab, you've got coming home after another frustrating day or an injury setback and whatnot. And yeah, he, he'll have shared that with his with his family, with his partner, with his kids. Um, and that'll have been a really nice moment for them to to see him back on the pitch, you know, coming through that game unscathed. And hopefully we get to see him a little bit more often this season. Um, but as, as an under-23s run out in general, I think it was a good test. Obviously, Geisley being 
uh, a National League North team, obviously not the, the highest caliber of opponent, but it was, um, yeah, they had to dig in at times in the second half. And and I think the the, the real flair, the the quality that that we had in that team, you know, the, the Joe Gelharts, the Crescencio Somerville, Sam mm. Greenwood, uh, Cody Drame, you know, there was some real quality there. And it was definitely a, a, a hopeful first outing uh, of the season for the 23s. And I, I'm looking forward to, to their fixtures this year because it'll be a real, real test for them in the top division. Yeah, I think a lot of people were talking about Crescencio Somerville after the game, Joe. Um, I mean, I mean, was he that impressive? He looked very, very quick off the mark, sort of running um, in all directions, it seemed as though. So, yeah, what did you make of his performance? Yeah, he was impressive. Um, very direct, very, very much a bit like a missile going towards goal. You know, as soon as he got on the ball, he'd be kind of trying to weave in and out of players, you know, trying to go to go down the line. I think I described him in a tweet after the game as a wriggler because um, that was the first thing that came to mind because he just, he does, he just wriggles out of trouble. I mean, even sort of winning the ball back for the third goal, you know, um, Drame hits, over hits a pass down the line a little bit too heavy. And uh, the Geisley defender then gets his gets his body in front, tries to shepherd it out of play. And Somerville just kind of wriggles around the outside of him, knocks it past him up the, the byline, quite like the goal that Gareth Bale set up or, or scored actually for Wales against Turkey at the Euros. Uh, and then he crosses it for 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 Charlie Allen, who just has to tap it in. Um, he yeah, he was he was very 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 impressive. Uh, but I mean, that's that's what we've seen throughout the the time that he's been at the club. You know, he played twelve times uh, for the twenty threes last season. Um, he I think he got six goals and six assists for them, and it was it was quite clear that he was a player who was you know a, a class above that level. Um, whether he will be still be at Leeds and will, will not go on loan is obviously a debate for another day. But I think he definitely did well, you know, for in, in Bielsa's eyes, who was obviously there, um, for for staking a claim that actually he can make a push for for a first team place in, in future. Yeah, hundred percent. And and like we were just saying beforehand with regards to Adam Forshaw, I think um Douglas came out, didn't he, and sort of quote tweeted it you know, for shopping back and essentially said that, you know, people don't know the hardship of going through injuries like this. And obviously Douglas can relate to that. So yeah, I, I, I just, it was a really warm occasion for, for sure. And I think that as I was just saying before, Baron, it, it did sort of come over, didn't it? Via the fans and everything else there. Yeah, absolutely. I think it, it's been a really, really difficult time for him. I think like, like Barry Douglas has said, I don't think any of us can really understand or relate to not being able to do your job for that long. Um, arguably through no fault of your own you know if your body lets you down it's not something Adam wants to happen so yeah I mean uh, another big step forward it was I think it was half an hour wasn't it Joe correct me if I'm wrong it was half an hour yeah so um yeah a step forward I think we we know we've had that kind of moment really I think in April when he played with the 23s and he played for more than 80 minutes of that that um what was the the trophy lifting game at, at Villa in PL2 and uh, and then had another little setback according to Bielsa and I think I think Reading between the lines, you kind of thought that maybe if he'd stayed fit after that point, he might have got a similar amount of minutes to Berardi or at least been introduced mm. maybe in a few of his late ones just to get the monkey off his back and just to psychologically feel like he's on the way back and at least got you know, got a PL appearance in a lead shirt. So I think like, we have had that first moment, but, but this is obviously encouraging. Uh, we'll see how the, the next few friendlies play out um, and whether he does kind of stick with the, the under-23 cohort. You would think looking into the new season... Uh, given how uh, rigorous Bielsa is in making sure that players are ready before he actually throws them in at the deep end. I mean, I think I think that's one of the few things that has driven some fans a little bit um, to frustration with with how long he takes sometimes to play certain players because he wants them absolutely ready. You know, he said a few times that 
it doesn't help anybody if you throw somebody in when they're not ready. He doesn't want a player to to be thrown in, not do themselves justice, and then psychologically they come away sort of feeling a bit down and, and disheartened by it all. So he does like to to wait. We saw it last season with Rafinha. You know, most new signings do have to wait a long time, don't they? So we can't under. I know he's played half an hour the other night, but we can't underestimate how long he's been out for. You know, he hasn't played any Premier League football for, for Leeds. He hasn't played any first team football in a competitive environment for you know, two years. I mean, I would think he might not. It could well get to two years before he actually plays for, for the first team again, depending on how long Marcelo takes. So, get some friendlies under his belt. I think I would be amazed if he didn't play a fair bit of PL2 football, at least for the first few weeks, maybe in August, and then possibly they reassess it in September. Um, don't know how you two feel about that, but it doesn't feel like he's going to be playing, you know, against Man United or anything like that. Yeah, I don't. Where do you think his place is, JD? I mean, me and Baron were talking about it last week, you know, in this Leeds United side, and he may give Marcelo Bielsa a little bit more of a question in terms of, should, do I really need a central midfielder? You know, if Adam Forshaw starts pulling up trees in these pre-season friendlies, do you, do you see it like that? Or do you think it's think Leeds sort of have to go out there and get a central midfielder and, and sort of Adam Forshaw is going to be playing a bit part, really, for Leeds in, in the next coming season if he is fully fit? I, th- I think it's the conversation that nobody wants to have, really, isn't it? It's the, you know, Forshaw's done so much to come back and nobody wants to immediately say, oh, well, he's not going to play again, is he? Like Nobody wants to say that um, because he's worked so hard to get to this point and, and similar to Berardi, you know, does deserve a run out at some point. But I think looking from a pragmatic perspective, looking probably from the club's perspective, there's a reason that they'll have been going out and looking looking at central midfielders this summer is because they want to level up the team and, you know, sentiment can only go so far. Um, and, as as painful as that might be to accept sometimes like that might be that might be the case but I mean from my personal perspective I'd, I'd love to see Forshaw out there just because you know it's it would be a recognition it would be a a moment of you know what he's he's actually gone through this two years of hell and he deserves some reward at the end of it some light at the end of the tunnel not just a few 23s games but on the flip side you know that every game matters in the Premier League and every game's competitive and, and you can't afford to be carrying any passengers. So it's it's something which obviously Bielsa will will ponder. It's something he'll consider. Um and if he deems him able to to play, if he's if he deems him able to to make an impact, then I think he will play because, you know, that is Bielsa's decision at the end of the day. But yeah, I think um it at the moment when it's kind of still a willy wonty situation, um it's it's definitely a conversation which is a bit of a difficult one to gauge. Yeah, hundred percent. And you know, uh, we've just we, we've just seen on on the chat as well. Cody Drama has been uh, included in BBC Sports nine players they have selected as the Premier League's next breakout stars, and I think we're all hugely impressed with this guy. Baron, is he going to be in and around the first team this season? Do you think, or is it going to be another year of development for Cody Drama? Obviously, with with Luke Ayling being the mainstay, but it was it was obviously very interesting seeing Jamie Shackleton playing right back last night, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it's going to be, we have to play it by ear, aren't we? I think we're going to have to see what unfolds, whether any injuries or suspensions kick in. I think if everybody, let's say everybody stays fit in some sort of utopian world where injuries don't exist, then probably won't play a great deal, I don't think, um, given you've got Ailing there and you've got um, Shackleton and Dallas, of course, who can also do a job, like you say, Connor. Uh, Shackleton played at Blackburn at right back. Um, so I think, I mean, Jermaine's still young, isn't he? So he's, he's still got time on his side. Evidently, he is the future. But you know, we, we can't underestimate how good Luke Ayling's been. So I think you've got to expect that he's going to play the 
the vast majority of games going into this this new season. You know, if he stays fit, you know, why why can't he go and play thirty eight times? Um, so, yeah, I mean, maybe he might get get in some of the cup, the cup teams that, that Bielsa does have a habit of playing. We saw, of course, against Hull City last season. It was a, a hugely changed side in that that first league cup game. So maybe Jermaine gets in that one this time around. Uh, maybe the FA Cup in January, depending on the draw. Um, but yeah, maybe this year. It's hard to say, isn't it? Because because if he if if Ailing does get an injury or something, and, and Jermaine is is really impressing in, in training, then Bielsa's not going to be afraid to to chuck him in. No, hundred percent. Yeah, definitely. I think we're all right in the right back department. <laughs> it's full of depth, isn't it? And. I guess that that moves us very nicely onto the Blackburn game last night. You know, let, let's touch on that. Obviously, Baron, you did your, your post match, uh, which which must have been nice for you. You know, uh, at the stadium, that must have been nice. I was very jealous of you. Um, but yeah, a, a decent performance from Leeds United. I thought it was a fair result, one one. But yeah, we, we saw a, a number of changes. But but it was a strong Leeds United side out last night, wasn't it, JD? A, a decent Leeds team out, definitely. Yeah, I was pleased to see Junior Firpo out there. Um, obviously, there wasn't really going to be another contender for left-back unless they put Stuart Dallas straight in there. Um, but I was pleased to see him out there. Um, I thought it was quite curious with the three wide players that sort of one of them started up front and then two of them out wide uh, in Costa Harrison and Rafinha. Um, but, I mean, I think there was maybe lacking a little bit of penetration, lacking a little bit of match fitness. Um, you know, I think Bamford was a bit of a miss, but... I mean, there's no point overanalyzing a preseason friendly, is there? It's the first run out that they've had, the first 90 minutes in the legs that they've had since, since well, for, for many of them since West Brom back in May. So not reading too much into it. But yeah, I, I think it was it was fine. That's that's probably the, the over the overriding word I'd say for, for a first preseason friendly. There were no major hiccups, there were no major, majorly concerning performances. Um, it's good to see Diego Llorente pick up where he left off with that, that tackle on Adam Armstrong uh, in the first half. Unbelievable that, by he the went, way. He went with the correct leg as well. I, I was yeah. looking at I was thinking he could easily go and slide with his right, but now he mm. tackled correctly with his left. So I thought that was good. Um, yeah, I think there was there was plenty to like. I mean, Jamie Shackleton at right back maybe is a, a window into Bielsa's thinking uh, this season, given that obviously there is the, the Shackleton drama uh, ailing question. Um, or rather, the, the 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 first two behind Ailing that is, um, but yeah, it was it was good to see some football. Obviously, the fans being there was great. Looking through all the pictures, everyone beaming from from ear to ear. Um, yeah, just very feel good, I think. Um, and yeah, I, I mean Pascal getting a goal as well. What's what's not to like? Yeah, yeah, it was it, a few interesting performances out there. I think. But it was it was great to see the lads back on the back on the field. Obviously, you know we've been in, engrossed in the Euros, haven't we? And getting some lead stuff back is always a positive. Baron, um, I guess how would you surmise it, mate? Uh, we we watched your post match last night, and it was very in depth, very good watch. If you haven't already, go check that out on Leeds United Live's Facebook. Um, how would you? How, how did you feel about it afterwards, mate? I thought it was substandard, to be honest. I was struggling last night to even talk about anything because it was just like like Joe says, it's a friendly, and it was it was every inch the preseason friendly. It was I didn't it was hard to, to generate much narrative from it. Everybody was quite disjointed and rusty, and a lot of wayward shots, a lot of sort of half patterns that weren't quite being completed as you'd expect. You could see what they were trying to do, but it just wasn't quite coming off. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it does. I mean, we're going to start talking about the footballers, aren't we? It's all about minutes. It's all about you know playing with heavy legs. It's all a part of the process. It's all about the Man United game. It doesn't matter. Um, but yeah, we we do get our teeth stuck into it. We do overanalyze it. 
Um, yeah, probably a fair result, yeah. I mean, neither keeper had a great amount to do. I think there was it was nice to see Rafinha slowly flick, flickering into life. I don't know if you two noticed that on the on the feed, but in the second half when they were attacking the away end, naturally there's a lot more toing and froing with the fans and the Leeds attackers, um, and you could tell that Rafinha was getting a, a superb reaction and reception from those Leeds fans and. He, I think, sort of player that the fans love, isn't he? Because he's so emotive and so reactive to what's going on around him. He rises to the occasion, and you could tell that he really wanted to to get a goal and to celebrate in front of those fans. And he slowly sort of was looking like he was turning it on, and then got substituted, unfortunately. Um, but aside from that, uh, yeah, I think Urense was was pretty solid. Like you say, picked it where he left off, very very solid. Furpo was decent enough. Um, quite encouraged by by how quickly he seems to be settling in. You know, he had a pretty good relationship and he wasn't afraid to kind of pull up the other players. You know, I think he pulled, you, you could hear him pulling Harrison on a few occasions um, when the ball was dead to talk about, you know, what we're we doing, what, this is the way I need to go. This is the way you need to go. Um, and you could tell he was visibly frustrated with himself and things didn't happen, which which is a good sign because it shows he's got high standards and expects better of himself. Um, he was happy to give instruction to, to Pascal Somebody, who, of course, knows the system better than him. Um, and yeah, I mean, we, we can talk about Costa if you want. Uh, Costa, of course, the new experiment. Um, what did you, do you think of him as the striker? I think with Costa, I mean, we always talk about on this, you know, this 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 show that the, the blueprint and the bio for this show is being authentic, being real, being raw. And I think it's sometimes a little bit frustrating with Helder Costa with, you know, his, his maybe lack of progression in this team. And me and Beren were speaking about off air. We've seen so many, you know, players really get to that next level under Marcelo Bielsa. I mean, you can, you can wax lyrical about so many, can't you? But I just don't feel that Helder Costa is ever sort of improving. And I think he's, he's reached the top of his ceiling really at Leeds United. We were speaking beforehand about, at Wolves and or signing for 15 million and and had he reached his ceiling at, at Wolves when we bought him and I, and I think probably the 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 answer to that would be yes and I don't think it's improved that much at Leeds United to be quite quite honest with you and that's why it's interesting with the Somerville discussion JD and that's why we were just speaking about it then you know is he ever going to feature in in this Leeds United side as a wing option this season because you know is he going to be pushing Helder Costa all the way I mean, from what we've seen so far, he's a very exciting winger and maybe offers things in in, in different capacities to what Helder Costa does. But yeah, I, in the false nine, definitely not. <laughs> um, as the wing option, yeah, it was a sli- slightly disappointing. Maybe I'm being a bit harsh there, JD, and I'm, I'm happy to be pulled up by you on that one, mate. But I mean, you know me, Helder Costa's biggest fan. No, I mean, like, you know, I mean, it was... As I said before, it was fine. Like it, it, for me, it was a preseason friendly. It wasn't something which showed up showed him up to be. Oh wow, he's incredibly off the pace. He's he's clearly not. I mean, he was doing his his work like his work rate was fine. Um, I thought that obviously it's a new position. He's probably trialed been trialed in that a little bit in training. Um, and also, he's not playing with the the striker who is actually going to play the entirety of the season. So you know, there's there were a lot of caveats to it. I think. I'd probably be inclined to agree that maybe Costa, the boat has, has maybe gone with Costa um, in terms of, you know, Rafinha's come in and and because of how well Rafinha did and and Harrison just kicking on as he has done, it kind of leaves him at, in, in this limbo where he's not quite a Poveda or a Somerville where you're thinking, oh, actually, you know, they're, they're the next generation, the up-and-comers. You're looking at Costa thinking, uh, where, where are we going to get our return on 15 million here? Um, 
And unfortunately, sometimes that is the case with football transfers. They just don't deliver to the same degree that you that you paid for them. Um, that's why, you know, deals where you bring in somebody for one and a half million or five million like Elon Melier are always championed as being, oh, well, look at that great piece of business because he's surpassed the expectation that his fee brought. Whereas I think Costa maybe has been a little bit hamstrung by that. I think everybody would maybe be a little bit easier on him if he was brought in for five million rather than 15. Um, but yeah, all in all, I think he's, he's he's a fine option to have in depth. You know, most Premier League clubs don't have you know, world-beating wingers on the bench. Um, so I think he's, I mean, we'll see when he plays against the likes of Real Betis and, and Ajax, as he probably will. That'll be a better indicator of what he's going to be like this season in the Premier League. Yeah, I think Costa, I mean, I, I kind of threw you both a hospital pass there. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think I'm with Joe on it. I think we are we are analysing it because our job's to analyse it, but it is a friendly. We're not going to pick holes too much in him. We're not going to, Write him off. Um, clearly, this is this is the time to experiment. This is when you should be experimenting. This is when you should be trying players in different positions. This is when you should be trying Junior Firpo as a striker. Um, <laughs> um, He's, got no, think, He's got the physique. Yeah, for it. yeah. yeah. Um, I think when, when the team sheet dropped, uh, my expectation was Rodrigo would play as a striker. I think uh, the, the club's official graphic suggested as much, given that Rodrigo was at the bottom of the list. And given the way he finished the season and given that he is considered the alternative striker to Bamford. And I think we were actually all picking over which of the wingers would, would play through the middle with click. And again, I was kind of plumping for Rafinha just again to experiment because clearly he's got a lot of ability and mm. why not see what he can do through the middle rather than cutting in from the right. And then it was, it was quite surprising first to see that it was Costa in that central zone. And then second of all, to see him as the actual most advanced player, but why not try it? You know, why not have a look at him? Like you say, Marcelo is a very innovative guy probably has had a look at it in training. I think the, the general hierarchy is Bamford, Rodrigo, and that actually Harrison is is somebody that Bielsa has mentioned quite openly in the past as somebody who could play as a striker and, and has been has played there on one or two occasions actually during his Leeds career. So why not give it a go with Costa? It didn't work last night. It may work in other games. Um, clearly, the entire team was fairly disjointed for obvious reasons, uh, understandably. So we'll have, we'll have to see, but, but yeah. The, the, the transfer window has got another month to go. A lot can change. If if Leeds need to um, off offload somebody or need to find some extra cash, if there's somebody that the Bielsa wants, Costa is probably the only player in the squad that that most people would look at and think you could probably probably live with that. Um, everybody else feels pretty much set in stone and, and feels like they're very established and they feel as though they've they kind of proved their worth. Um, but, but we'll have to say it's, it's only a friendly. Um, he's clearly well established in the squad still, clearly well liked, gets right in the thick of things. Uh, but it just didn't work last night. Um, so we'll have to wait and see what, what happens uh, moving forward. I think we can talk about who didn't turn up. Um, obviously, there, we've had two friendlies now. And in what Blabber is. And fans. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The banter was actually really good between the home and the away fans. The, the home fans are going absolutely mad for Brayton. Absolutely mad for him. He's going to carry them this season, I think. Very good, wasn't he, when he came on? Very, very good. Good little ball carrier, yeah. I think yeah. I think the narrative around Chile, of course, is just it's just wonderful. It's just so unusual that clearly that you're going to jump onto that as a Blackburn fan as something completely out of the ordinary. But I'm not massively in touch with Blackburn Affairs. I know they've had a variety of issues with their ownerships, but I think Mowbray has done wonders there, I think, mm. since since coming up from League One. And 
again, from afar, it looks like they haven't done a great deal of business, or at least the business has been quite unsatisfactory. So I think the likes of Armstrong, if he stays, and Britain are going to be huge for them. And it's just nice having fan favourites, isn't it? You know, the way Britain carried the ball last night, it just gets fans out of their seats, which is what they pay. It's what they pay for. That's what they're there for, is to just to enjoy watching their players, getting them excited about something. But um, yeah, the home fans played their part in it in a way. Have, yeah, have we have we seen that the Ben Brereton, um the amazing. Chilean Pepsi amazing. advert? Absolutely, absolutely fantastic. It. It's so it's good. brilliant, isn't it? I think oh. fair play to Pepsi for thinking of yeah. that. Fair play. Yeah, it's um, just it's so good for so many reasons. Yeah, unbelievable. But you know, you got to pay your dues as well to Blackburn last night. I thought they they played. I thought they played really well in in spells there. Obviously, they had the sort of Newell's Old Boys kit on uh, without the names. <laughs> so, so you know, it was number 39 and number, I think it was number 21. They were playing, they played very, very well. Obviously, Adam Armstrong, we know up front, who I think, you know, we talk about Premier League players, Premier League strikers. I mean, Armstrong's not that far off for me. I think he's always produced. He's a good player, causes defenders nightmares. I think there was, there was times last night where Diego Llorente was really looking over his shoulder and I think um, defensively Leeds did quite well to contain them but like we were just talking about when Brereton Diaz uh, did come on <laughs> did come on the pitch I thought he, he pushed Shaq, Shaq back a little bit didn't he I thought you know Shaq had free reign in the first half and I thought Mowbray tactically did that quite well JD yeah, I mean, I, I, I echo that. Yeah, I think I think you're right. Um, I, I also do think that Adam Armstrong is a is a, is a Premier League player. I think if Leicester hadn't signed Pats and Dacca this summer, then Armstrong probably would have been a good candidate. Mm. Obviously, Southampton have been interested in him, um, and that's you know a contingency for if they end up losing Danny Ings. But yeah, I do think he's a he's, he's a good player. But yeah, I think all credit to Blackburn. Um, I think it's some, they had some sort of registrations ban over this the first last few months where they haven't been able to sign players or something. So they've kind of been, they've had their transfer business put into touch for a while. So that's why they've fielded predominantly a young team. But I thought they they, they gave a good account of themselves. Um, and yeah, obviously best of luck to them. Yeah, definitely. Um, were there any sort of other standouts for you, Baron, in the Blackburn game? Um, I think, you know, we were talking about Diego Llorente. I thought he had, uh, he had a decent, decent game last night. Um, Pascal, I don't think, was up to his, his top level, but he got himself a goal. Were there any any standouts for you? Obviously, you, you did your player ratings after the game, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not hugely, mate, to be honest. Like, there, there, wasn't, there wasn't a great deal. I think the whole... Um... The whole event kind of kept a cap on the ratings. Nobody was going to explode with an eight or a nine. I think I think I did well to get to sevens for a few of them. I think there, there was a few people asking why I didn't give ratings to to the three subs that came on at the hour mark, and it's because it was hard enough giving ratings out for ninety minutes, let alone for half an hour. It just you've got to you've got to kind of do them a bit of a bit of justice. You can't be judging them based on half an hour in a friendly. Like I say, Shackleton did did fine. Um, Furpo did fine, Urente did fine, Stroik, a few loose passes, Cock was okay, got got threaded a few loose passes from the defenders, which left him a little bit short at times and under a bit of pressure. Like you're saying, Blackburn put their foot in and, and weren't weren't afraid to, to get stuck in and get physical, especially in the first half. And they did it did quite impress me. Click was a bit off it. Again, we're not gonna we're not gonna overanalyze it too much because he finished the season quite well and, and it's only a friendly, but and he got a full 90 minutes in, which which is fantastic. Um and like I say, Rafinha showed flashes. Uh, I, I, I gave Harrison a six and got got some pelters for that. Um, I, I don't think he was brilliant, Harrison. You know, I think I think it was a very Harrison-y performance um, without kind of the final delivery that we'd like to see at occasions. He's always going to look fit. He's always going to look quick, and his first touch is always going to be pretty solid. But didn't blow me away by any means. 
Um, and yeah, Ailing came off the bench and was was fine again. Very very hard to, to draw too many conclusions. I thought is uh, just in terms of Harrison there. Bam, uh, I nearly called you Bamford then, Baron. Um, I wish. <laughs> I would not be the, doing this. You're more of a Urente anyway. Um, but yeah, I thought. Yes, you would. Patrick Bamford <laughs> loves the podcast and the interviews, doesn't he? <laughs> That's very true. Yeah. <laughs> Straight on there, JD. <laughs> Straight out of the bat. Yes, um, you would. But I thought his I thought his set piece delivery was 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 sort of much improved last night. Mm. Jack Harrison uh, seemed to be a lot of dangerous balls um, out swingers as well. So yeah, I think I think that was definitely a positive from 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 last night. But yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. I don't think anybody sort of you know, lit the game, lit the game up. Really, I think it was a pretty, uh, pretty sort of average affair, wasn't it? I did see a very good um, tweet from somebody after the game, which was film idea: Jack Harrison travels back in time to save the dinosaurs by controlling the asteroids, uh, which I thought was quite clever because he's, there were a few, a few touches in that first half where he just killed it absolutely dead. That was, that was Todd Lunch on Twitter. I thought, ah, yeah, to be fair, that is good. Yeah, it's very good. Did you see the? Um, when the ball was switched to him, and he was it was one of his classic touches, and he just started like juggling with the ball. <laughs> his touch yeah, is just, it's insane, isn't it? Like it's unbelievable the composure he has with that first touch. Insane. But yeah, shall we move on to the kicks? We've not spoken about that yet. JD, we're going to come to you first because you've not given your opinions. On either kit now, it looks like Leeds, uh, Leeds were doing a media day, um, I think it was two or three days ago now, and the blue kit has been, has been. you know, we, we're thinking that that is going to be the away kit, that is going to be the, the next one in line. It looks pretty decent. We've not seen much of the lilac kit yet, any Leeds players in that, but overall, JD, are you impressed with the, the sort of three rumoured kits that we've seen so far? Obviously, the first one has been released. The home kit. Um, I mean, we we saw quite a bit of backlash to the to the home kit, didn't we? Uh, with the, the you know it not having the the Leeds United yellow on the shoulders, it's a bit more neon than than typically. But I mean, it's it, it depends on what the team do in it, isn't it? Like you know the the Henley collar and whatnot. We can we can all get get ourselves in a tiz, and I mean, people are still going to buy it at the end of the day, and that's that's the end goal that the, the club wants. I mean, it's yeah, I think the the away kit or the rumored away kit. Obviously, they've been pictured in it at the media day so I think it's safe to say that is the away kit um that I mean that is a really smart number I do like that with sort of the, a little bit of camo on it it's 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 a nice it's a nice shade um and yeah Bill looks quite good in that he was pictured in it but Bamford too um haven't got Baron in it yet but when we get Bamford on the podcast we can get them both wearing it so that'll be good um but yeah I, I'm I'm a I'm a fan of the the away one more than the home but I'll, I'm, the jury's out for me on on the home one until we we start seeing the the performances in it because that maroon one last year didn't go down too well and then Rafinha turned up and basically turned into <laughs> to prime Romario every time he he, he pulled it on the maroon shirt so we'll have to wait and see. Baron did make a really good comment last week. He said everyone sort of doesn't like the kit, but wait until you see Calvin in it. Wait until you see Rafinha in it, and and that is. That is the rhetoric right now, isn't it? It's like everyone didn't like it. Then everyone saw Rafinha taking that selfie with Calvin. It's like, you know, I, I presume sales went up there, Baron. <laughs> take my take my money, yeah. That's, take uh, my money, yeah. That, I mean, that's, you kind of, there was, um, I've forgotten the club now, but there was one club that actually called a fan out the other day. Somebody was slagging the kit off and the club actually replied <laughs> saying, you bought it though, didn't you? 
<laughs> which, which I did quite like. Because <laughs> it's so true. Everybody slags slags the kits off. But if you, if you are a, one of the hardcore fans that does buy the buy the new shit every year, you're going to buy whatever it is. Mm. Um, yeah, we saw it last night for the first time at um, at Blackburn with with their own sort of numbers, very sort of strange, sort of yellowy neon, very sort of thin numbers they had. Quite on the gothic, backs. wasn't it? I thought quite. Yeah, gothic. yeah, yeah. Which, which I'm sure the Premier League will not allow when uh, when we get going with the real thing. But from a distance, you couldn't. I mean, it's just a white kit, isn't it? From from the press box, you can't really tell the difference. You can't tell it's a Henley collar. It's just a white shirt. Um, but if they, yeah, if they start winning games, people are going to love it, aren't they? Uh, the blue kit looks nice enough. I think somebody pulled out a, an older Man United away shirt from a year or two ago, which is a very, yeah. very similar design. Mm, I didn't, which, I didn't um, like that. They didn't need to do that, Baron, did they? They didn't need yeah, to do didn't. that. I wouldn't but have thought of that. This is just the way it is, though. I mean, these, these sports manufacturers are going to template a lot of kits and they are going to get regurgitated because there are only so many colours in the rainbow. So you are going to see similar kits every so often. Um it's a kit, isn't it? It's a kit. Let's yeah. move on. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Let's move on. Um, yeah, and, and and you know we've also got a question from Andrew Turner here, Baron, which is directly for you. Um, it's good. Come on, come on. Your Facebook page. Andrew says, Augustan, Baron, what is the situation here? So we're gonna we're gonna cross over to Baron there to give his in depth scoop on um, Jean Kevin Augustan and, and what's going on there. Well, it's it's being appealed, um, or at least that's kind of the way it's going anyway. I think FIFA up to now, we, it's been a, f- a few weeks, if not a few months now, since we had our first bit of juicy gossip out of FIFA and out of Leipzig. Leeds are actually yet to comment on it or even acknowledge it. So uh, you can see the way that the club are dealing with it. But as far as FIFA and Leipzig are concerned, it, it sounds like in, in the very first instance, um, they are siding with Leipzig which at a very, very basic level would suggest Leeds are going to have to honour the money they, um, if you would use promised. But I've not seen the paperwork on the contract, but the, the in theory, Leipzig are saying as soon as Leeds got promoted, whenever it was, they owed us X million. I think I think it's around 20-odd million. People have to check that. I've not got the figure to, to matter head. Um, so... It, in theory, that's the way FIFA kind of see things as it stands. Uh, evidently, whichever way FIFA saw things, it was going to be appealed by the other party. So um, it's going to play out. It's going to take a long, long time to resolve because you know lawyers are involved, various paperwork is involved, various courts are going to be involved. The court for arbitration of sport immediately jumps out as, as where this one will go, if not if not beyond that. So we've got a long, long wait, uh, Andrew Turner, for a resolution. But um, up to now, all we know is that FIFA are at least at a very basic level siding with Leipzig as it stands. Well, that is going to be it, guys. Thank you so much for joining us on the latest episode of the Blue, White and Yellow. I hope you've enjoyed it. If you wouldn't mind doing us all a favour and leaving a five-star rating on all of your favourite podcast providers, that really helps us out. We'll be back next week chewing the fat on Leeds United. Until then, thank you so much and we'll see you in a bit.